Good morning. It's great to have you guys here. It's a beautiful day out. I love that we're finally kind of getting some reprieve from the heat and fall is approaching and I love that season and it's just so great. I hope you guys have been enjoying uh, being outside this week. So a few weeks ago, as a lot of you guys know, we did have Serve Your City and uh, we talked a lot about it leading up to it and then a lot of you guys were involved during that 10 day period. We haven't really said a whole lot since, so I'd love to just give you guys kind of an update on how things went, really so that we can celebrate what God used a lot of you guys to do in the lives of people within our body and those um, partnerships that we have in the community and even some friends of those that are in our bodies. So God used you guys in a tremendous way. There were about 100 of you guys that helped out, which is pretty incredible, uh, over that 10-day stretch. A couple of the projects were a lot bigger than the other ones. Some required smaller amounts of people. Some required a great number of people. But there were about 100 of you guys, and that should be something that we're proud of as a church, that there's 100 people that during that, uh, that time gave of themselves, gave of their time, of their energy, and, uh, and served other people. Here's some of the projects that were accomplished so you guys can kind of hear what, what took place. There were built-in cabinets replaced. There were dryer vents cleaned. A college student moved out of his house and into his dorm. A hole downstairs prepped and painted. There was mulch spread. There was beadboard installed. There was a whole lot of donations that were given to Mama's House of Thrift in uh, Holly Springs. There was office furniture that was moved out of a basement at uh, Pastor Tyner's house from White Oak, moved all this furniture out of his basement, and then we separated it, and we steam cleaned it, and we cleaned off the wood, and then we moved it, organized things. There were people upstairs. They were cleaning windows. They were vacuuming dust, so that was taking place, and then you have boxes that were being moved to make room in a garage. There was a trundle bed being built. There was a lot more mulch that was spread at Green Level High School, and that's a lot of things that took place over the course of that time, and so that, again, should be something that we're, we're very, very proud of. So we don't want to celebrate the fact that we just did a lot of good things. But there's a couple of things, um, which that is something to celebrate in a way, but there's a couple of things that I want to really highlight for you guys because it really is about God getting glory and about the gospel going forth, and, and that's why we do it. So here's one of the coolest things for me. As I look back on, on those 10 days, um, we had a, a lot of you guys that stepped up and took lead on some of those projects and really seeing, seeing those of you that were kind of team leaders that stepped up and, and put in the extra hours and went above and beyond and led those teams of people that were there and really took initiative um, during those projects was a really, really cool thing for me to kind of sit back and go, man, it doesn't have to be someone from our leadership team that's leading these things, but you guys empowering you to do that and seeing you do that and buy into the mission of God and, and go into these homes and lead other people within our bodies is really, really cool, and that was a great, encouraging thing. I know for me and the other staff guys to see and our elder team um, to hear about as well. So that was really something for me that's even more of something to be proud about than just getting something done, but seeing you guys step up and really, um, and really lead in a lot of cool ways. Great testimony for working hard and for the glory of God. I want to read a couple of notes also that were given to me that were from some of the people that we served. So hopefully this is an encouragement to those of you that, that served, maybe on these specific projects. Uh, maybe for those of you that, got, that were able to take place and serve your, or able to serve in um, serve your city. But even for those of you that weren't able to do it this time around, hopefully this is an encouragement when you hear the impact that this, um, these projects have on people. So here's a message from a woman named Marsha, who was a friend of one of our, um, our members, Lena. So here's what she says. She says, thank you, Lena, Chris, and Eric for the beautiful beadboard that you installed for me. You did really professional work, and I couldn't be more pleased. I'm very grateful for this wonderful service that you offered, and I appreciate the time that you gave me. If it weren't for you, I would be beadboard less forever. 
Um, thank you so much. So just really appreciative of, of something that, you know, it was a, a small kind of hallway, hard work, but a small part of her house that was some beautification that just made things look nice. And she's just so thankful that this very, very small team of guys and Lena um, were able to do this for her. Here's another one from someone within our body. Here's what she says. To my Northwest family, I'm so incredibly grateful to all those who pitched in to help with the landscaping and painting projects at my home. Working together, some were able to clean up and dress up the front yard, and others worked inside to clean, prep, and paint several rooms. The results were beautiful. I, again, am amazed and blown away by your generosity. You've made such a difference. What you have done would have taken months for me on my own. God has used your kindness. I'm feeling loved, cared for, and incredibly blessed. Thank you so much, and that's from, from Jody. So those of you that served in Jody's home, that was a, a note from her. So hopefully hearing just the appreciation and what it means to these people just to have things done around their house, when we can serve them, projects that, that are overwhelming and could take a really long time to come in in a few hours and, and knock something out for someone to be a blessing and to love them is a really cool opportunity. And so you guys have really made an impact. There's other projects as well. We've partnered with, with Mama's House of Thrift and with White Oak over the, over the week and just um, so much gratitude from those that were, that were served. Um, so here's the thing. There's still a lot of work to do. We still have some projects that are, that are kind of left over from Serve Your City that we weren't able to get done because we just didn't have enough people on certain nights to knock some of these projects out. Some of the projects are a little bit bigger. So in the coming months, um, we're going to be letting you guys know when we have some more opportunities to serve. There's still some things we want to get done. There's other opportunities that are going to arise. But one thing I want you to hear this morning, and then we're going to worship some more together, um, but I want you to hear that it doesn't have to be us just putting something together for you guys to serve. You guys are empowered. You guys have the ability to, to keep your eyes out, keep your ears out for needs for things that people may say, hey, you know, I've been really wanting to get this done, but I haven't had the means or I haven't had the time or I haven't had, you know what, I'm going to be a blessing to you and I'm going to go and serve. I'm going to get a few people to come and help and we're just going to go do it. I don't need to ask permission. I don't need to even really tell you that I'm doing it. We're just going to go serve and then let us know afterwards because we'd like to celebrate with you and, and, you know, encourage you guys. But you don't need us to put something together. You guys are, are so capable of, of hearing of the needs and going and serving, but we are going to be presenting more needs um, to, to you guys as a church family to continue to love people, continue to serve people, continue to be a great um, testimony for the glory of God and in his name. So thank you guys for, for what you did. Um, for those of you that weren't able to do it, we really missed having you be a part of it, but let's continue this effort as we continue to move forward as a church and, and we're on mission for God as we serve people and we love people and we just um, make his name great. So thank you guys so much. Uh, for serving. Morning, Northwest Community Church. I'm excited to be here today. My name is Steve Dingledine, and I have the privilege of serving on our elder team here at Northwest. And it's great to welcome you this Labor Day. It's a great weekend. College football has started back up. I know at least one pastor who's excited that UNC had a victory yesterday, so that's very exciting. I want to begin our time this morning uh, with a brief story to tell you. I had the opportunity last summer to meet up in Colorado with my dad and four brothers of mine. We met out there uh, in an attempt to summit Long's Peak. Long's Peak is a mountain, 14,259 feet. I had never been out to the Rockies before. That was the first time I'd ever been out there. Do we have any outdoor enthusiasts or hiking fanatics here today? Just me? No, there's a couple out there. It was beautiful. The Rockies being out there in God's creation, 
getting to meet up with my dad, my four brothers. We were, we were planning to attempt this summit uh, to celebrate my dad's 60th birthday. When we got there, one of the first things that I wanted to do was talk to the park ranger. And my question was, have there been any bear sightings out here recently? Well, the answer was yes, it's the Rockies. So I clarified my question, have there been any bear attacks recently? Well, thankfully, the answer was no. Uh, I know Wendy and my kids, they wanted me to come back from that hiking trip. I wanted to as well. Uh, but it did put us at ease. I think even if the answer was yes with that group of guys, we probably would have still gone at it and attempted it. As I said, my older brother, he, he had hiked this particular route many years prior, but it was new to all of us. We had never attempted to climb a mountain, uh, but it was something we were determined to do. After the first couple of days, we finally reached the base of Long's Peak. We camped out in this place called Boulder Field. We have a picture of that. And all of those things that look like little pebbles, it's kind of hard to see in the picture, they're actually giant boulders. I mean, it's the size of, uh, of a car or a limousine. And way off in the distance is this tiny area that's called the keyhole. That was the entrance to this route that we were going to take to try and attempt to summit Long's Peak. So we set out early. It was dark. It was early in the morning, and we had a goal. Uh, there, this mark, this um, particular route was well known. It had areas called the trough, areas called the home stretch, um, and finally, the keyhole was our entrance. So we had a goal. We had done some research. We had our packs, and we had a goal. Midway through the climb, we started to see hikers heading back the opposite direction. Uh, a number of these hikers had started even earlier before us, and the common question was, hey, how was it? Did you summit? That was what you would ask hikers, and if they had, it was filled with excitement and then encouragement to continue as you attempted to push on. Uh, but then there started to become a number of hikers that would say, no, I couldn't make it. I just didn't realize how far it was. I didn't realize how difficult it would be. And they were pretty disappointed. So they would leave. And then we would look at each other. We were pretty tired and we would ask ourselves, could we do this thing? Could we reach the top? Life requires endurance, specifically the Christian life. Not necessarily the physical kind of endurance that I'm referencing here when it comes to hiking or, or attempting to summit a mountain, but this illustration can definitely help translate for us. We're about to jump into the book of Hebrews where the Lord has impressed upon me some particular passages of Scripture and some key verses uh, that really have played a significant role in my life over the years. And each time that I study this passage of Scripture in different seasons of my life, it challenges me and it encourages me in my walk. The problem for today is that there's really nowhere near the amount of time that's necessary to unpack this in its fullest form, especially on a Labor Day service. And Matt, he gave me only three hours to speak to you. So I'll do my best. Okay, a little bit shorter than that. The purpose of today's message is to allow ourselves to hear from the author of Hebrews as he challenged and encouraged the original audience in their walk of faith, and maybe we'll find ourselves encouraged and challenged as well. That's my prayer for us. I know I have been challenged in my own study and preparation of this text. So before we jump in, if you would, let's close our eyes and, and pray together. Lord, we again 
thank you for today and for allowing us to gather. Before we open your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be present, and we invite you to fill this place. We ask you to open our ears and our hearts to hearing from you. Help us to never stay in the same place as we declare our desire to grow in our knowledge of you. Listen to your spirit's prodding on required action to take as we live out this Christian life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and turn in your copies of Scripture or using your electronic devices to Hebrews chapter 1. The book of Hebrews is thought by many theologians to have been written by Paul or perhaps Barnabas or some even Apollos. So if I'm being honest, there's not full agreement on who the author of Hebrews is. The original audience, though, is to be thought of a group of early Jewish Christians uh, who were striving to live out their faith and yet were met with intense persecution and were finding that even some of those early Christians were choosing to walk away. The author starts the book of Hebrews by saying in verse 1, chapter 1, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has chosen, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So point number one for today is this, plain and simple. Jesus is the son of God. He alone is our savior. Do you know him? Not do you know of him, but do you know him? Have you ever asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? If the honest answer is no, I would ask that perhaps you would be open to hearing from the text today and consider that. Right off the bat, the author of Hebrews is declaring the supremacy of Christ, who he is, and the fulfillment that Jesus did on our behalf, the payment for our sins. In some of these early chapters of Hebrews, he's reminding the original audience of the Old Testament way of life where the Israelites had to make atonement for their sins by offering sacrifices, burnt offerings, as atonement for their sin. And then he's going on to state the supremacy of Christ, that he has come and he is now the fulfillment of that payment for our sin. That's where we start today, to make sure we're all on the same page. So now let's skip forward to chapter 12, which is going to be our main text for today. I'm going to read the first three verses in Hebrews chapter 12, and then we're going to make some observations and some comments, and then go back and do that again to flesh out a few additional points that I believe we should be highlighting today. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I love that text. There, are, As I mentioned, there are three additional points that we're going to be pulling out from this scripture. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you may have heard this before from other teachers or pastors, but anytime you see the word therefore, it's always important to ask yourself, what's it there for? You see, Hebrews chapter 12 is coming right on the heels of Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as this, this hall of faith. He, the author of Hebrews is spelling out for the audience these uh, wonderful examples of people who have lived out their life on mission and have left powerful examples to look to, and they are this great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. These people embodied that in their life. They had great faith. If you have time this week, I'd encourage you to go back and reread chapter 11 in its entirety. These incredible people with incredible faith who, if you're like me, you probably read them and you put them up here as just where they should be. You hold them in such high regard. And yet, these are people just like you and me, except they lived fully surrendered with great faith, believing in what God told them to do. In chapter 11, verse 6, the author says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And remember by now the author had already declared the supremacy of Jesus, and so we know who we were to put our faith in. You see, everybody has faith. But what are you putting your faith in? Jesus and the work that he accomplished on the cross? Back to verse 1 in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The NIV uses the word hinders, whatever hinders as this weight that they're talking about. And the original translation, it's something that is bulky or burdensome, something that's an encumbrance. And then goes on to say, and the sin which clings so closely. Scripture is pretty clear on things that are contrary to God's word or things that we know to be as sinful. And what are we to do? We're to lay it aside. And again in the NIV it says, throw it off, be done with it. And if it's sin, how do you do that? Well, we confess it to God. We repent of it. And the more that you read God's word and allow his spirit to search your heart, your life to be examined, his spirit will convict you of areas, perhaps in your life, that are sinful. When something hinders you and it's not necessarily sinful, and yet it keeps you from running the race marked out for you, Surrender that to the Lord and ask him for wisdom on how to throw it off. Because the author is saying, lay it aside so that you can run the race before you. Point number two, confess and repent of our sin. God is faithful and forgives. Jesus has already paid the price. 
we don't have to do this on our own strength, and in fact, we can't do this in our own strength. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I don't have to worry about sin, not true. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that we all have to face this. We can never earn a right standing before God, no matter how hard we try, it just can't happen. Back to Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's this word endurance, right? The word in the NIV says perseverance. And again, going back to the original language in Greek, it's a characteristic of a person that's not swerved in their faith. It's a steadfastness, a consistency. They're not even swerved during great trials or sufferings. It's the same word again that we find in verses like Romans 5, verse, or chapter 5, verse 4, where suffering produces this endurance, which then produces character and character hope. If you would, jot down Romans chapter 5, perhaps study that at another time, and there's some incredible similarities as to what we're looking at here in the book of Hebrews. Now, before you leave here thinking that I know Greek, I've never studied Greek. In college, I was simply recommended by one of my professors to utilize a tool called the Blue Letter Bible, which helps break down the passages of Scripture and look at them in their original language. It allows us sometimes to do a word study, but it's always important, though, to remember to examine the context of Scripture in the entirety of the passage, and then to also compare that to the Bible as a whole so that we don't accidentally take God's word out of context. But doing word studies can really help us get a deeper understanding and appreciation for a particular word and how it's used in harmony in God's word and some of the truths that the author is pointing to. In fact, if we dig a little bit deeper into some other sections of Hebrews, I believe that the author was challenging those Christ followers. It's, in t- it's what in today's culture you might call tough love. It's challenged me personally at various stages of life and in my walk with the Lord. Looking back in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, the author says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There's a lot here that we don't have time to unpack and it might seem a little bit confusing. But the challenge to me is clear. To the Jewish Christians, he's basically saying grow up. Start taking the truths found in Scripture seriously. Don't stay where you started as you are growing in your walk with the Lord. I love this analogy. Uh, have a number of kids. Winnie and I have a bunch of kids. This thought here of, you know, staying on milk all the time. I love to eat burgers and steak and delicious food. Grilling in the summer is one of my favorite things to do. But if you can just imagine going to a friend's house or to a barbecue and saying, hey, Steve, you want a steak? I'm like, nah, I got my milk. How about some mashed potatoes? No, no thanks, I'm full. 
I got my milk. Okay, maybe not for you vegetarians. To you, it's like, hey, do you want an eggplant? And you're like, no, I've got my milk. That's okay. I like meat. The author is challenging believers to grow in their knowledge and scripture and to become more mature. So how about us? Do we hunger for God's word? I mean, do we really hunger for digging into scripture and asking God to teach us to apply what we're reading to our life in a way that changes our life? Not just for more head knowledge. If it doesn't lead to heart change, I think we're missing it. I don't think we can expect to grow as Christ followers if we only come here on a Sunday morning and say, okay, Pastor Matt, what has God laid on your heart to tell me today? And then we leave. Don't get me wrong, I want us to be here every Sunday, worshiping together and listening, hungry to hear from God's word and what God has laid on Pastor Matt's heart or whoever's teaching on Sunday mornings. But we want to dive into God's word on our own and apply it. You'll hear more next week and in weeks to come how we collectively are working towards ways to encourage and to challenge and to help us improve how we're doing this more and more. God's word is our daily bread. And I'm not saying this to you. I'm saying this to us, me included. You know, back then, they didn't have tools like the Blue Letter Bible or Right Now Media. They poured over scripture and they memorized it and they prayed and they asked God to change their life. We are doing that and we can do that as well. Let's go back to verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're throwing everything off that hinders, run with endurance, and then point number three, we need to look to Jesus. Sometimes that's easier said than done, right? I mean, think about it. In our world today, everything is screaming for our attention and attempting to get us perhaps to look to something other than Jesus. One time I was on a team triathlon many years ago. I swam in high school. I still enjoy swimming today. So I was the swimmer on this particular team. I knew that my biker was Aaron Kiefer. So all I had to do was finish my portion of the leg and our team would get the lead back. But it was difficult. Swimming in high school was easy because there were, the water was clear, chlorinated. There was a black line on the bottom of the pool. I knew where I was going. I could swim in a straight line, but not so much out on a lake where most triathlons are held. And if you don't know, a triathlon involves swimming, biking, and running. There's usually this large orange buoy way off in the distance that helps swimmers to see where they're supposed to go. So there I am, I can see the buoy off in the distance, and I'm trying to keep my eyes on it as I'm taking my breaths and trying to fix my eyes on this buoy so I know where I'm going. But in reality, what was happening? I was swimming all over the place. It was hard to swim straight, and if I'm being honest, I was more concerned with if I felt a fish brush up against my leg or a water snake or something horrible. It was, it was hard to stay focused. I could barely see. Going back to the Long's Peak trek, 
on our particular route, this keyhole route that we were attempting, there were these bullseyes painted along the rocks at different points. So if you could see one of the bullseyes off in the distance, you knew where you were supposed to be headed. Usually these were way off in the distance, and if you couldn't see them, it was difficult to know where we were supposed to be heading. Life is full of hardships and difficulties, things that pull our gaze off of Jesus. The NIV says to fix our eyes on Jesus. We know we can potentially fix our eyes on other things that cause us to drift in our walk with the Lord. Anything that we elevate above Jesus can become an idol in our life. Many times it's even good things, things that we consider to be blessings. But if we fix our eyes on that, we can also drift off course. So what are you fixing your eyes on that's hindering your race? What am I potentially fixing my eyes on that are hindering my race? Are we allowing good things to be the sole focus versus Christ alone? Do we routinely take time to pause and reflect and ask God if a course correction is necessary in our life? Maybe you started out with your eyes fixed on Christ, and then as life continued, we got pulled away. We've allowed our eyes perhaps to be fixed on something other than Jesus. Could it be a good thing? Maybe it's our future retirement or our 401ks or our job or our next job or our house or our kids or education, perhaps a relationship. Some of these things are good things. We have to keep looking to Jesus, though, and remember to continually surrender what's entrusted to us to be stewards of for God's glory and keep a proper perspective. Verse 2 again says, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When our gaze is fixed on Jesus and when we're looking to him, we know that we've placed our faith in him. There is a joy that is set before us. This life is temporary. The Bible teaches about an eternity, an afterlife, a heaven, and a hell. And for those who put their faith in Christ alone, it's heaven. We have to live with an eternal perspective. And I say I want to live with an eternal perspective, but that's hard to do. I mean, day in and day out, that's difficult. It's interesting to me, though, as you study Scripture, there are passages like in the book of James where it talks about how life is a vapor. It's a mist, here today, gone tomorrow. And then we've got passages like Hebrews where it's calling us to run with endurance so we know life can feel long, but in light of eternity, man, life is short. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? It was restored relationship with you and with me. I mean, how humbling is that? That was the joy that was set before Jesus. Restored relationship. And that relationship is made available to all of us through Christ. The Bible says, and Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can't earn a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. Point number four is this. 
The Christian life on earth seems long and requires endurance, but it is short in light of eternity. Remember the joy that's set before us. Moving to verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I am so thankful that we live in a country that allows us to gather together, to worship freely. We don't, have to, we don't seem to face the kind of opposition, perhaps, that the author was writing to encourage those early Christians that were facing persecutions and beatings. But we know that that happens to our brothers and sisters on other parts of the world. My guess is this section of Scripture has a whole different way of resonating with them. If anything, we might look around at our community and where God has positioned Northwest Community Church, and it might seem like people or families either just don't care about the brokenness or they don't want to acknowledge its existence, or maybe they try to medicate it with something other than Jesus. We can't buy the lie that we can do this on our own strength. We see the symptoms in our culture, right? We see the brokenness. We see things that are not as they are to be. We talk many times here at Northwest about being between the two gardens. And the sin, the pain, the suffering, all of those things we see pretty clearly in our world today. How about you? Have you ever felt weary? Have you ever felt faint-hearted? I know I have. You see, when we surrender our life to Christ and we live rooted in his word, we allow scripture to be our authority. The Christian life is to be marked by pointing others to King Jesus. Continually. Let's keep pointing people to Jesus. The words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 say, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is to who we are consider, as verse 3 it mentions. About a month ago, David Amon gave a great message about abiding in Christ. And if that's where you are, feeling weary or faint-hearted, I would encourage you to go back and perhaps listen to that podcast. I'm not sure if you've seen or heard many of the stories lately about these Christian authors or Christian musicians who are pretty influential or perhaps were at one point publicly walking away from their faith. You see, the world can look on and in their cynicism say, see, hypocrites. It breaks my heart to read these stories and to hear even firsthand stories of my friends or my family who over the years have simply given up fixing their eyes on Jesus. The ramifications can be devastating. Don't lose heart. Consider the challenge and the encouragement given to us from Hebrews. Take inventory of our lives and what we're running after and fixing our eyes on. One of the reasons that we're passionate here at Northwest about the Life Group's ministry is because the Lord has designed us as people for community. Doing life together, 
with other believers or with others, striving to grow and navigate life's challenges is a wonderful thing. I would highly encourage you to check it out. You'll hear more details about our Life Groups Ministries next week as we get ready to launch into our fall kickoffs. The Christian life requires endurance. Do our marriages require endurance? How about our parenting? Does our parenting require some endurance? Does living for the Lord in high school and middle school require endurance? Yeah, it sure does. So again, the four main points that I just want to highlight and pull out before us today is Jesus is the Son of God. He alone is our Savior. Confess and repent of our sin. God is faithful and forgives every time. Jesus has paid the price. We can't earn it. We can never earn a right standing before the Lord. We need to look to Jesus. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. The Christian life on earth seems long and requires endurance, but it is short in light of eternity. Let's remember the joy that is set before us. Your pastors and elders here at Northwest are passionate about the calling to go and make disciples that's given in Scripture. If you're a guest here with us today, we welcome you, and we hope that you come back next week. Next week is an exciting week for our church family. Our pastors and elders will be sharing some very specific vision for our church as we move forward together for this next year and beyond. You don't want to miss it. We're also launching into a series in Colossians that are going to give us ample opportunity each week to hear from God's word. And we never want to just teach from the stage. We want to give all of us ways to be equipped to approach scripture with the correct lens so that we can dig into the text, ask meaningful questions of ourselves, and allow God's Holy Spirit access to our life to challenge us and to grow us in our faith so that we can become more like Jesus. It changes your life. It changes my life. It changes the way that we live. Let's close our time in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the challenge that you have laid before us in the book of Hebrews. We thank you for examples that are given of a life that was lived full of faith. Thank you for the challenge and the encouragement to grow, not just in our knowledge of who you are and how to live, but how to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to run the race that is marked out for us with perseverance. Lord, help us not to leave here today without taking a look inside. If there is sin that needs to be thrown off, Lord, help reveal it. Help us to confess it and to repent. Lord, if we have drifted or taken our gaze off of you, help us to course correct. Help us to live fully surrendered to you and free from anything that hinders us. We cannot do this on our own strength. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.